Hey everyone, it's Dubs. Thank you for coming out today. Normally, we release our episodes in order because all of our guests are incredible. However, we had one episode that we could just not wait to release, so here it is. Enjoy listening to my conversation with the star of the Tony-nominated show, The Prom, Izzy McCalla. Enjoy. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Welcome. I'm Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm so excited to be here today. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show Thank You For Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it. And it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. And during the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. The podcast is a little bit different. We invite a guest on, and they share their story, and then we have a conversation about it. Uh, I am so pumped about our guest uh, that we have here today. Um, she is part of the, the cast of the seven-time Tony-nominated award. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even say that right, but I won't win an award for that. Uh, Drama Desk Award uh, for Best Musical. Um, put your hands together, everyone at home, for Izzy McCullough. Pronouns she, her, hers. Welcome, Izzy. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, I'm my, okay, so I'm, my heart is pounding because I think you're great. Oh, and, thank and you. So I'm like nervous, so I'm trying to chill out. But oh, Don't have to be nervous. I'm not that cool. <laughs> Okay, well, if you say so. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I would love to hear, um, we all come out to people and ourselves multiple mm-hmm. times, and I'd love to hear your story, whatever you'd like to share. Okay. Um, I, so f- for me, um, I haven't ever truly identified as any sexuality specifically. I... Um, I think I'm in a place right now where I'm still coming to terms with how I identify and how I uh, feel, but I will say I have been attracted to both men and women, and I have been with both men and women, but I've only been in relationships with men, and because of that, I feel like I've had this hesitancy to identify as queer um, in any form because there's a part of me that feels guilty for claiming... uh, an identity that I, I don't know if I can justify, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily the case, but I think that's what goes through my head sometimes. And being in a show like The Prom kind of brings my own identity into sharp relief and makes me question it more how I identify. And um, I remember the first time I found a woman so desirable and attractive and Honestly, it was the easiest hookup experience of my entire life. Wow. It happened so naturally. Mm-hmm. I think when you're in high school, you th- you know, and if you, like, kiss a girl, where, where I grew up in high school, I think when uh, people of the same gender hooked up, it was deemed an experiment, in quotes. I'm putting in bunny ears because you didn't, or at least the kids I grew up around didn't really have that many... Uh, gay students around to you know follow their lead or to um understand not to uh I don't want to say stereotype it or demean it but you know like um trivialize the existence of it of being a gay mm-hmm. um so you know if I not saying that I was uh prejudiced in any way but I think I didn't think of it when I was you know I would I would kiss girls at parties all the time and I'd kiss guys at parties all the time and I never thought of it and I think in a way that was a privilege in and of itself that I didn't have to put any um strict meaning on it for me personally Mm -hmm. but the first time I had a sexual experience with a girl again it just happened so easily the morning after was super easy and calm. Mm-hmm. And I then went about my life. And I never really thought of that as a pivotal moment for me in terms of my sexuality. It just was what it was. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've been attracted to both men and women. I haven't been in love with a woman, but I I, I, I don't know. I think I'm still figuring it out and... Uh, me realizing that or trying questioning why it was so easy for me to move on without 
making that experience so monumental. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm still grappling with it and figuring out how I identify. And I think I, 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 I suppose the closest were, you know, label would be bisexual. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would ask you, you know, as, um, someone, you know, who identifies strongly with the community Mm -hmm. is, uh, hmm, I'm going to stop and I'm going to try to rephrase this question because I don't know how to say it exactly. Let me see. Hmm. You got this. I know. I'm just trying to think hmm. of. Uh, why? What is? Is there like a point when you can't claim an identity, or you know, if you're questioning it, am I not allowed to say I'm bisexual if I hmm. haven't been with, in a relationship with a woman? Did you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. Um, this is, this is, you want me to answer? It's not yeah, no, I, yeah, it's, no. it's like, let's start <laughs> let's, the conversation. Yeah, let's open the dialogue about it. I'm yeah. actually curious. Oh, God, so I, I absolutely think that you can claim whatever word uh-huh. feels affirming to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of want to like flip this on its head a little bit yeah. and think about people who identify as straight. Mm-hmm. And there's never really, like folks who identify as straight, there's nev- they don't have to prove it to anybody. Right. Right. They just, because that's like, you know, our society is heteronor- so heteronormative mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that there isn't that moment where they have to say, I'm straight. Right. And so they just, are they have that, that label, mm-hmm. uh, that identity already. And so I think for queer people, um, it's a, a little bit more complicated because it, we're not in the majority. And yeah. so it, I think that it is totally, it's normal and natural for, for folks to try on different words and to, and you don't have to have experienced, kids know that they're straight without having had sex. This is right? true. Yep. So it's like, we know how we feel inside right. and that's what matters. Yeah. My, my label journey has gone from identifying and being raised as a girl mm-hmm. to a woman, to lesbian, to queer and trans and mm-hmm. genderqueer and still use the word gay. Yeah. So it's like, you know, as we as we get to know ourselves and learn ourselves, whether or not it's in relationship with other people, that's, it's really not about other people. It's about how, how we feel. This is true. And yeah. so I think about when I, when I met my ex, when I met her, she identified as straight. Okay. And so when she met me, I charmed her. And then um, she was like, well, I don't know what word to use because she's like, I feel like I'm a lesbian, but you're not a woman. But right. do I base my label off of you or do I base oh. it off of what I feel? Right. And I said, you should base it off how you feel because it's your word. Mm-hmm. It's your identity. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the moments she kind of used queer instead because, or maybe not even anything from now, this was a while ago, but I can't remember exactly, but she never really claimed a word. Right. And then when we broke up, I'm not, I'm not, I think she maybe identifies as a lesbian now. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. I really encouraged her to, to find the word that feels right for her. Yeah. And it, regardless of me. Right. So I don't know if that's helpful. I think it is. Yeah. It, I think that it, <clears throat> in a way that takes away from the guilt aspect that mm-hmm. I feel like the, that I get that, you know, because I, if I haven't necessarily faced oppression because I haven't claimed anything, mm-hmm. am I allowed to <clears throat> still claim it? But that just doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that I can't claim it. It just means I haven't yet. Right. And, um, yeah. So I think for me, my sexuality is fluid and evolving and I'm still figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm open to the possibility of being in relationships with women and I'm have been with men and I don't know what's coming along, but I don't put limits on that. Yeah. I think it's, I really do believe in like who the person is. And if my soul connects with your soul and we get it, like, that's it. You know, because, and I I wonder if that is because I had this really easy experience with, you know, this woman and that it just felt second nature, you know, that Mm -hmm. I feel like, well, it's just, it's just a person. Whoever Mm -hmm. it is that I love is a person. And, um, yeah, so I'm excited to keep exploring my sexuality and figure out and maybe not judge myself for it. And obviously not judge, but not, um need to feel feel the need to stay within the limits of one label or one box totally yeah and those I you know words 
they're really important and mm -hmm. sometimes they can put those false walls around us mm -hmm. and limit us in a way that doesn't they don't necessarily need to right um and so yeah i think that that's great to just keep an open heart and yeah you know whoever you connect with you connect with and um that's the like beauty of life i think is just being able to see the beauty and the, the joy in someone else and yeah. regardless of gender and um i think that's hard because we're not raised that way and right you know that's not something that's out there in the right. media and you know there's not a lot of representation of of that mm -hmm. but i think that it's we're slowly getting glacially fast yes getting to that place where it's really just about the person not about the gender that's what i would hope yeah yeah i think we'll definitely continue on that pace for sure yeah so you mentioned something uh so i realized i didn't even like talk about the prom i was like just talk tell me everything <laughs> that's um okay. so the prom, do you want to explain the prom? I feel like sure. that would be better. Um, so <laughs> the prom is a story uh, about these uh, four veteran Broadway actors who find themselves out of work and down on their luck. And in order to revive their careers, they decide to become celebrity activists. So they find through Twitter the story of this girl named Emma who lives in Edgewater, Indiana. And she wanted to bring her girlfriend to the prom, uh, but the PTA decided to cancel it instead. So they decide to march down to Indiana and right all the wrongs and change the minds and hearts of these, you know, incompetent people in Indiana. And obviously everything falls to shit. Can I curse on this? Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> everything, fall the great. <laughs> everything fucking falls to shit. Um, and you see what happens when these like when liberal New York meets conservative Indiana. And um, I love the show because it kind of sends everybody up. Everybody is... Uh, has flaws in their perspectives and their ideologies and it's about how we communicate with other people and how we accept other people um and i play uh Alyssa green who is the girlfriend of our protagonist emma and i am still in the closet and my mother is the head of the pta and very against um she's just anti-lgbtq period plus mm -hmm. because she just um that's how she was raised and she doesn't know any better and she, little does she know her daughter herself as a lesbian um so my whole arc through the show is trying to find the courage to uh admit to both myself who I am and admit to my mother and stand up with my girlfriend you know at the end of it and hopefully I do for those who haven't seen it yet. for those of you who haven't seen it yet get your tushies to do the it. theater well it closes August 11th and I'm not sure actually when this is going to air so got it if you've missed it <laughs> I'm sorry. So sorry, but you can see the movie on Netflix. It won't yeah. be the same. It'll be different. Yeah, and then there will be a national tour that goes out in 2021, and it'll reach the communities that need it there yeah. in the Midwest, which would be fabulous. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. It lives on. I was really sad to hear that it was closing, and then when I heard that it was going to be touring, I was like, actually, that's amazing because it's going to be in communities that need to see. Yeah. Need to see this. Yeah. And I think it'll start a lot of conversations over the dinner table. I think it has the power to repair a lot of relationships and fracture a lot of relationships. But either mm -hmm. way, it's going to get the conversation started. And I think it'll repair more than fracture. Yeah. When I when I saw it the first time, I've seen it three times, everybody. Uh, I was in tears the entire time. Hmm. Because it just, you know, even though I don't identify as a lesbian, I identify with all of the feelings yeah. and all of the emotions that go behind what it means to have to hide and to I'm gonna start crying uh you know to the, you can't be your authentic self and it's just there's so many pressures from you know yeah from so many other people I have um like the song specifically Alyssa Green uh, you're singing about just you're even taking sexuality out of it yeah, just like just the pressure of f wanting to be perfect yeah. and needing to to make sure that everyone is approving you and yeah. Um, that is a relatable scenario, I think, for everybody. Everybody. Yeah, I mean, for me, that song is uh, pretty cathartic <laughs> every night just because it's, like you said, everyone can identify with that. And I think for so long, personally, I changed myself for other people because mm -hmm. I desperately wanted to be loved mm -hmm. and liked. And when you do that and you overextend yourself in that way so much, you lose sight of who you are. Yeah. And it all becomes too chaotic and you can't get back to your true identity because it's, you know, kind of hidden beneath like veils and veils and veils of these other versions of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard and sad and it's very relatable for us. And that's why I kind of love that song. It's because it's, 
yes, it's she is gay and that's why she's afraid to come out, but it's her whole identity is wrapped up in how her mother sees her, mm-hmm. not in the way she sees herself. Yeah. So like the way the song ends, I, there's their lyrics are, you're not yourself, you're not what she wants, you're someone in between. Your whole life's a lie when you're Alyssa Green. And that's kind of what I think is very relatable. I think everybody feels that at some point in their life. Um, so that's fun to, not fun, but it's a, <laughs> uh, it's a privilege to get to sing that every night. Yeah. Uh, we should air this earlier. So, uh, okay. I'm looking at Bobby and Bobby's like, okay. Um, <laughs> um, so you had mentioned um, like playing this character has like helped sharpen some of your personal ex- explorations. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to more to like, are there certain parts of the show or certain songs or just certain, or is it when people come up to you afterwards and tell you and that helps spark kind of like your thought process or does that, does that question make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, th- I think being in this show uh, puts my own sexuality and, the forefront of my mind and Mm -hmm. in the conversation and because I have conversations at the stage door and I get letters from fans all the time both from kids and parents actually um like the kids first of all as a woman of color um I get a lot of young girls saying thank you for you know portraying that the gay experience is not just a white male thing Mm -hmm. um we are they feel included in the narrative they feel uh, validated, and I strive to make sure that my portrayal is not a caricature and very realistic. And the best compliment I can get is when those girls say, "I see myself on stage." Yeah, and they tell me their stories of coming out or the fears they have coming out in these very conservative households. And then the parents will come up to me and say, "I'm so sorry, I did not understand it until I saw the show." Wow. And um, we've had a, a young girl a couple weeks ago. I met this girl and her mother right after the show, and apparently as the curtain came down, she turned to her mom and said, I'm gay. Um, And her mother was just like, yeah, I know. Oh, it's okay. It was so welcoming and warm. And she was like, of course I, of course it's okay. But she was so, I got to talk to both of them afterwards, and they were incredibly happy that this show enabled them to communicate openly about it. And it wasn't the elephant in the room anymore. It was just what it is and uh, and then there are stories of people who do come out because of the show and it takes their parents a while to accept it and they're still fighting through it um, but either way we're starting the conversation and that's really important yeah. so because these kids are grappling with their own sexuality I, I don't not necessarily feel the need to but it's something that's very present in my mind of um how I identify and is if I have anything holding me back from identify because I think I identified as a straight ally for a long time mm-hmm. uh, never said it out loud but I always thought of myself as an ally to the community regardless of my own orientation and now I'm figuring out that oh maybe my orientation isn't so cut and dry even though I've had these experiences before I never brought them into the fold of my orientation so mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah these girls, these young girls and boys that I talk to or, you know, trans kids, whoever I talk to at the stage or who's affected by the show makes me realize how important it is to be yourself and to admit to yourself who you are and who you love. And that's a beautiful thing. So now I'm getting to do that myself, which is yeah, cool. That's amazing. I, um, we, we had a conversation with Lauren Patton, who was mm-hmm. in Fun Home a few years ago, and she had some, has had similar experiences as you of identifying as straight when I met her she identified as straight was playing Mm -hmm. medium Allison and being in that environment um and really getting to just experience what it is to be a queer person um helped open her up to realize that she's a queer person also and so it just if we like blow that up bigger like not everyone has the opportunity to perform in a queer show on Broadway right um but just those spaces are so important, just spaces to be able to explore without judgment Mm -hmm. and those spaces to just be who you are and know that you will be accepted. Yeah. They're just so important. I work for a a queer Jewish organization and we do a lot of weekend retreats with teens. And the first one I ever went on, so it's the space where you can be fully queer and fully Jewish with just, it's just celebrated and affirmed. 
and this was my first time, I was I think I was 32 at the time, ever being in a space like this. And I was, I was literally in tears the entire time because it was like, I can just be myself in all of the ways and everyone's excited about it. Yeah. And the mo- but one of the most important things that I took away from I, these teens who are still living with their parents and have to face kids in high school are living these authentic truths and using pronouns, you know, they, them, and other sets of pronouns and identifying in ways that I could never imagine doing in high school. Mm-hmm. And it, is, it was so empowering to see them identifying in these ways that when I left that weekend, I changed my pronouns. Wow. And I just was like, if I'm inspired by you. Yeah. And it's just, it's incredible. Like you were saying, you feed off the audience and their reactions as a way to, it's just, it's like, it's a loop. Of yeah. We're all, you know, then you are representing this community to other people and they can see you and then it's just, ah, it's yeah, awesome. I think it's beautiful. And I think yeah. the really important thing to remember is that it is constantly evolving and that mm-hmm. you don't have to stick within the limits of a certain box. Absolutely. Um, and be inspired. Like, that's why I love being an actor is because you're, when you take on a character, you can't judge whoever you're playing. You have to understand the heart of them. And I think storytelling in any form, whether you're sitting around a circle and talking about your various experiences, mm-hmm. it connects a group of people and opens up the hearts of everyone there to maybe empathize and put themselves in that experience. And I think that's why queer stories need to be told more. Mm-hmm. And they need to be told in a realistic way that doesn't always end so sadly totally. <laughs> or tragically. You know, yeah. it has to, there has to be ones of hope. There has to be ones that are very realistic. Um, obviously, there should be some comedy somewhere because, you know, gay people are funny too. Oh, but yeah. yeah. We, have, we have our moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the more these stories are told, the better, uh, the the more empowered the younger generation will feel to claim, you know, certain pronouns or change their pronouns or um, love who they, be free to stand up and say, this is who I am. And without that fear of coming, I read this like really great story about um, this little boy who I think he was like five years old and they were talking about sexuality and I think in kindergarten, which is crazy Mm -hmm. that thank God that teacher's talking about it and introducing it at a young age or I don't know how he heard about it, but then he went home to his mother that day and he sat her down. He's like, Mom, I, I have to tell you something. And she was like, okay, what? And he goes, I want you to know that I, I'm straight. <laughs> and she was like, okay, <laughs> great. And she was, but she, it was the mom who told the story. And she was like, I think it is so wonderful mm-hmm. that my child thought that that was what everybody did. Mm-hmm. Is that you, 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 everybody reflected at one point And then everybody is supposed to have their coming out story. Mm-hmm. And how wonderful would it be if we just didn't assume right away one way or another if we just like let them go along and then when they get whenever they feel comfortable to be like hey I think I'm this or that and then all the pressure would get taken off of that I think we have a long way to go before that happens but Mm -hmm. I think a good step in the right direction is now that uh, I think New York State is allowing gender neutral pronouns on birth certificates yeah you can mark x yeah x which Mm -hmm. is brilliant you know um yeah so I think we're getting there but. Yeah, we are definitely we're definitely getting there, and that I mean, that's the dream where we're not placing all these expectations on kiddos mm-hmm. and just letting them figure themselves out. Yeah, because it's so much work to undo what society and communities and parents and schools and are mm-hmm. whether we realize we're doing it or not, we yep. are shaping these kids yep. in a way that if they don't end up identifying in that way, it's challenging mm-hmm. to then find your find your way back to yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is. I think about that often. Yeah. Of what what that could be like, like a utopia of sorts. I know, but be cool. maybe one day. So you mentioned elephants in the room, and I wanna I wanna mention the elephant in the okay. room. Okay. That you went to University of Michigan. <gasps> I did. And I went to Ohio State. I'm sorry, I went to the Ohio State University. Oh no. I know. So I just wanted to get it out there. Um, I hope we can still be friends. I think we can. I, I think enough time has passed. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Um, so The Prom is not your first Broadway show. No, it's so not. So you were Princess Jasmine in Aladdin. I was. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. It was super fun. I got to ride a carp magic carpet every night. It's completely different from The Prom. Uh, also, Jasmine is completely different from Alyssa. She's much more empowered and uh, much more outspoken. Um, very intelligent. Uh, very strong-headed. I loved getting to play a Disney princess with a brain. 
mm-hmm. you know, one that, and what I loved about her is that she's actually not defined by her titles. Her title is actually what gets in the way of what she wants. Mm-hmm. So the fun part for me was exploring her heart and her mind rather than getting to be a princess because that doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was really fun. The music was beautiful. Got to wear some really dazzling costumes. Didn't get to eat what I wanted as much. But mm, yeah, <laughs> it was still fun. So, were you in a like uh, in a harness? Like, how did the carpet work? Disney magic. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. I I see and mm-hmm. I hear you. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remembered. I want to go back to something about yes. um, when you were talking about um, finding the empathy when you're playing a character. Mm-hmm. You can't go in with judgment. Yes. And I know. Um, and I'm I'm blanking on the actress's name who plays Mrs. Green. Courtney Collins. Yes. She's brilliant. And I've seen some interviews um, with her or read things. I can't remember. But she says something of like, you know, she obviously doesn't identify with her in real life. Yeah. But the way to play the character is to like to come at it from she wants the best for her child. Absolutely. And it's like so it's even, you know, when I, I, I read that. So I saw the show and I was just so angry at her the whole show. I was just like, just love your child. And just like just... And then when I read that article or saw whatever, I was like, yes, exactly. There are two or more sides to Mm -hmm. every story and their people react to things because of their own experiences and because she just wants the best for her kiddo. Yeah. And just doesn't realize that this is what's best for her. Yeah. So it's awesome. I think, I think, yeah. And I think that's really important, um, to understand where the other side is coming from and what shaped their opinions. It doesn't mean that they're right, but it gives you empathy and a way into talk rather than judging that person automatically, which I think is so easy to do and which I I am very guilty of. Mm -hmm. Um, And Courtney Collins, I think, is brilliant because she doesn't see Mrs. Green as the villain. Mm -hmm. She sees her as a mother who really loves her daughter and wants her to have a good life and doesn't want it to be hard. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want her to face the depression. And I think that's relatable for all parents because mm-hmm. they, regardless, they don't want their child to have a hard life. And inevitably it will be hard. Right. Because life is hard and they often find that safeguarding actually makes it more difficult for them to flourish. Um, and she she plays the role with such love and compassion that we really wanted to make sure that you could see the love between them, even though it was a cantankerous relationship, they were all each other had, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and she has to carry kind of the whole, that whole perspective on her own shoulders. Like, mm-hmm. nobody else is coming from that point of view, except for the kids. But, I mean, you know, as a principal, in a principal role, she is the only one speaking with the conservative mindset, mm-hmm. um, which is very difficult to do. And I think she does it in a way that, doesn't uh, caricaturize it, doesn't characterize experience or demean it. It really uh, humanizes it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think she's great. Does she Does she get – I'm sure you all get a lot of fan mail mm-hmm. and, and messages and things like that. Does she get people who are angry with her? Um, sometimes. Not, not People don't reach out, really, if they're angry, which mm. is good. That is, that is good. They'll say it at the stage door sometimes. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll be like, I was so mad at you. And it's hard for them to separate her from the character, but she's all, she is truly the most loving human being on the face of the planet. And she'll have the conversation with you. If you, if, if you say you're angry, she'll ask you why. Let's talk about it. Wow. Which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so she doesn't get as much hate. but And it hurts her when she does because she takes it very personally yeah and she shouldn't that should mean she's doing her show right and those people who do get very mad just means they have experiences in their past that really her she's really triggering for them as a character so um yeah yeah I think that would be hard I'm glad that people aren't are mostly not reaching out with anger no mostly mostly they're um, understanding and grateful that they are telling that side because a lot of them say you are my mom Mm-hmm. I know that and they have to hug them and lo- most of the people who who can come at it with compassion have now great relationships with those parents that have w- at once shunned them but um, yeah I think it's less likely for her to connect with fans if they are still dealing with parents who don't accept them mm-hmm. but those who've come out the other side of it are very grateful for her um, 
representation. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So let's keep talking about the prom. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I watched an interview that you did the other day, mm -hmm. um, and I learned that you uh, had an idol when you were younger, Beth Lovell. Did. Yep. Um, and that you, I love this because, actually, do you want to share, like, you wrote an, an, a paragraph and then... I did. I did. I wrote, we, in seventh grade, my English class, we had to write about people who inspire us, and I wrote about Beth Lovell, and... Um, I talked about Drowsy Chaperone. I'd seen the show three times and how she was everything I wanted to be when I grew up, even though I'm nothing like her performance. <laughs> We're very different actors, but I just was so in love with her fearlessness as a performer and her humor and her wit and her voice and just like everything about her was just magnetic to me mm -hmm. and everything that what I thought Broadway should be. Um, so I wrote about her and I talked about you know how much I loved her and all of that and then I got to do the prom in Atlanta out of town and my mom found it mm -hmm. she found the project <laughs> so I got to bring it in and show it to her so you you, pretty cool. you chose to show it to her I did okay I chose to show it to her um so I want to back up though so what was your first meeting with her like uh it was in a studio uh on the first day of rehearsal in Atlanta and I think I just was shaking, probably. Mm -hmm. And I, I went up to her, and I just introduced myself. I'm like, hi, I'm Izzy. I'm, I'm joining the cast. And she, she was like, Izzy, it's so nice to meet you, and gave me a big old hug. And she was like, welcome to the family. And that was it. And it took me a long time to get the courage to actually <laughs> talk to her. <laughs> yeah. I think even through the Broadway run, I, I, it, you know, when you put your idols on a pedestal, it's hard, but she's the chillest human being. Mm-hmm. And once I accepted, oh, yeah, you're Beth Level, Tony Award winning Beth Level Broadway star, but you're also, you know, Mama Beth. You're like, you eat your Lay's potato chips and like scaring people just like, like <laughs> I like scaring people and mm -hmm. we can shoot the shit and, you know. Yeah, so now I've, I've found that I've <laughs> brought her back down to earth in my mind and mm -hmm. um, now that eases communication and now, now she's great. I love her. That's awesome. I have a not as kind of similar story where in I was in sixth grade and my best friend's older brother mm -hmm. was a senior in high school and I had like a crush on him and he was on the homecoming court. So I wrote him a love letter <gasps> and I gave it to him. And I don't know how I got the guts to do that, but I gave it to him and like I don't even know what happened. And then when I was a senior and we were having a senior like party or whatever, mm -hmm. he was there and my friend Stephanie's mom found the letter and read it to the whole party. Oh. And it was like, I love you so much. I want to be your homecoming queen. It was like, it was <gasps> That's horrifying. It was, it was horrifying, but also hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious now. It was mortifying yeah. then. Yeah. But it was, oh I just God. was, so it was, that's why I was like, because it would have been one thing if right. your mom no, like, that was read my it choice. without your consent. No. Oh, I would, um, that, that would have been mortifying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I chose to share that with her. Yeah. No. But yeah, so that was like, oh my gosh, cool. That's a thing well, that I wrote was, uh, when I was 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fun. Oh man, I've written so many embarrassing, embarrassing things. But that's just, you know, what we do. Yeah. At the last episode, I was going through my notes of like old stand-up notes when I used to do stand-up. Oh, cool. I was like, they are like the dumbest premises that have ever existed. I'm like, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit and cool. um, talk about if you have any kind of favorite queer media representation going on right now or anyone who's just like, wow, they're really doing it. Hmm. I currently am uh, I'm loving Billy Porter in his mm -hmm. every red carpet mm -hmm. he goes to. He's in the most fabulous gown or, you know, dress or whatever but it's now it's it's never gender specific and I love that about him and I love that he promotes queer uh fashion designers and queer artists and um is so bold about who he is and unabashedly who he is I also love the queer eye guys because they're just what they're I think their show that show has evolved and it's not mm -hmm. as stereo I think the old version was very stereotypical and now I like that it's not just about a straight guy that they're changing it's about you know the mindset of the country that we're trying to shift, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those people are really great. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think who else. Oh, Mayor Pete. What am I saying? Mayor Pete, Mayor come Pete. on. Mm-hmm. I got to, Chastin Buttigieg came to the show and mm. loved it. So we got to talk with Chastin a lot. Um, and he was incredible and lovely. And uh, yeah, I think what they're doing for, you know, the LGBTQ plus community, uh, you know, in politics is brilliant. Um, yeah, so he's great. I think those are people that I'm really in awe of at the moment. Yeah, those are great people. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine just, you know, for me growing up, there were no queer represent- representatives mm-hmm. in the media, really. And if there were, like you said, they end tragically or they were, right. you know, it wasn't a, in a positive light. Yeah. And yeah. I just wonder, well, I can see now with kids growing up now, but just wonder what my how my life would have been different yeah. if there were more positive representation. Because mm-hmm. that's everything. Yeah. Um, like seeing yourself in somebody else. Right. And like knowing that you exist, knowing that you exist, that what you imagine for yourself exists outside of you yes is really empowering yeah totally well another actually here's a moment for me that was really when i heard uh, janelle monae's make uh, the way you make me feel yeah because that song is about being bisexual and i saw the music video and i was like that's it i get it that's that's how i feel it's just like that's she amazing. goes from you know different people to different people and i think that was so i mean it's a sexy song to begin oh, it's with so sexy yeah but it's literally a song about just like it doesn't matter it's like you make me feel powerful you make me feel amazing that's just the way you make me like i don't care it's just like this is who mm. i am this is who i love yes and that's i think a really great anthem and i was like that's my anthem i love it so janelle monet i think is also an amazing because she's bisexual and i think she's a great uh advocate for the community as well yeah yeah that is powerful yeah it's like i feel like it would you make, would you categorize that as maybe of a ring of keys moment? Of yeah. Like seeing like, oh, that's me. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Well, I remember that, that first time I saw that music <laughs> video. I was like, Abs- Janelle Monae, you get it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Ugh, yeah. I love that. It's just, it, there's something lights up and yeah. it's like, oh, I had that moment when I was watching Orange is the New Black with Leah Delaria and one of the oh, scenes with Leah Delaria. Yeah. And like she took off, it was like a hookup scene and she uh-huh. took off her clothes and was wearing a sports bra and boxer briefs mm-hmm. and I lit up and I was like I can wear sports bra and boxer briefs I like yeah and I was 30 or 29 I was like I didn't know I could do that and it's like so empowering to see something come to life yeah um yeah it's awesome yeah that song is so good now it's gonna be in my head and I'm not mad about it no it's a, it's a good one to have stuck in your head yeah Keeps you like grooving on the streets yeah that so. whole album is really great oh so I mean it's a protest album you know mm-hmm. it's very uh revolutionary I think I think so. Yeah. Um, so, Caitlin Kennan is cool. Yeah, she's great. Um, and I know that you all like have a lot of fun backstage, mm-hmm. like you and the rest of like the the cast members. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite shenanigan that either you have gone gotten into with Caitlin oh or my other goodness. folks? Or? Um, we <laughs> there's this really terrible song called "Moo" by Doja Cat that mm. came on our shuffle Spotify shuffle at one point. And we decided to listen to the whole song, and it's the it's the most absurd. So, like, I'll just say some of the lyrics. Okay. The first lyrics are, "Bitch, I'm a cow. Bitch, I'm a cow. I'm not a cat. I don't say meow. I go moo. <laughs> it's horrendous. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a what? What's another one? Uh, oh. I ain't in the city because they ain't got lawns. Like, it's just, it's like this hip-hop song about being a cow and not a, and it doesn't really make any sense, but you're like, yeah, all right. And she, like, sexualizes being a cow. Mm. It's so bizarre, but that's become an anthem that we'll play, and it bothers Courtney so much when we, we call her Courtney, Courtney Collins. She's also in our dressing room, but, mm. um, yeah, it bothers her when we play that song. So I haven't played that in a while. I'm going to play it tonight in the dressing room. Great. Um, that one, I scare people a lot. Ooh, what's the, that's my thing. Tell me, tell me everything about that. I like to hide under um, dressing room tables and in racks of clothing. And um, there's an underpass that has a lot of nice little uh, crevices for sneaking. And I'll just jump out and scare people. Uh, it just really fuels me. How, <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. How do people receive that besides scared to death? Uh, most of them try to scare me back mm-hmm. at some point or another. Only two people in the cast have succeeded. No, three people in the cast have succeeded at scaring me. Only two have made me scream. Okay. It's very difficult for me to, like, actually yell. Mm-hmm. 
it's, it's like real hard to get me. I'm not I'm not that easily scared. Um, but I'm currently <laughs> in a scare. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm currently in a scare war with Beth Level, and uh, this other cast member, Josh Franklin. He is the only person that consistently scares me. Mm, what does he do? He's ah, it's just he's in this underpass that I talked about that has a lot yeah. of curves, and there's all it's after dance with you, and I I go down and I know he's somewhere and he's mm-hmm. not there every day but I so I've now started saying Josh Franklin and I like stalk slowly and I know all the places where he could pop out of but there's something about the way he does it that just it gets me and I hate to admit it that he scares me but he does you hear that Josh oh, so mad at him but he's a, he's fun so that's a fun thing I do. I do crossword puzzles backstage a lot mm, nice. I'll go in um, to Beth and Angie Schwartz dressing room and we'll do some crossword puzzles um, I read my book, whatever book I'm reading at the current moment. Currently reading Jazz by Toni Morrison, which is really cool. Nice. Um, yeah, those are my, I think I, and I do I have so many bits with different cast members, like throughout my show. I think I started writing, excuse me, the amount of bits I have down just because I wanted to see. And I, I think I was up to like 15 bits within the first 20 minutes of the show. Oh, wow. I'm like, I need to calm down. No, I don't. But that's like what, kind of what fuels me. It's like those are the little moments I can connect to my cast members because I don't, my show is very uh, isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to check in with them and have fun at various points in time. Yeah. What, what was the one where Josh was like laying on people? Oh. What is that? <laughs> gravity blanket. Yeah. Was that just what it was where he just would lay on people? Yeah. He was just like, oh, I heard you ordered a gravity blanket here. Just lie down. He would just fully lie down <laughs> and that would be his gravity blanket and you'd fall. He also does snow plow, mm. which is one he'll just ram somebody with his stomach and they go flying in the other direction. <laughs> and they don't know what's about to happen? No. Oftentimes not. Cool. They're like, snow plow. And he'll just bounce them that sounds fun yeah i would that i don't know i uh, i think i would like that i don't know i, I guess think. i would sounds yeah, fun i don't know yeah, i don't it's, know it's fun that's a weird thing to think about <laughs> um so you you mentioned um some backstage guests and who has been so you i i follow instagram mm-hmm. so i know that some mm-hmm. fun people have come through mm-hmm. what are some of your favorites uh, Ellen Page was really cool. Mm-hmm. Catherine Zeta Jones was a big one for me Whoa, personally, because cool. yeah. um, I was obsessed with Chicago and her Velma Kelly. I wanted to be a twelve-year-old murderess, and that's just so inappropriate, but um, <laughs> truthful. <laughs> and uh, um, Patty Lapone was really cool because she we finished the show and we all got changed. And as we were finished, we were in our dressing rooms. We hear Patty Lapone get on her floor and just scream, "Where are the girls?" and it was the most horrifying thing and Caitlin opened our dressing room door and she came running in and grabbed me and Caitlin and just like hugged us and started crying she was like thank you you guys were wonderful and amazing and it was just a very surreal moment I was like Patty Lapone is hugging me and telling me I was really good that's weird that's really cool Um, that was probably the coolest one for me personally Mm -hmm. um yeah, Peter Dinklage came and Ethan Hawke. They're all friends with Brooke Seshmanskis, and mm-hmm. they were really lovely. Oh, so Peter Dinklage came the night before the finale of Game of Thrones. Oh, wow. So everybody in the audience was, like, freaking out because he's arguably, at that point, the most famous person on the planet. <laughs> and he loved the show. He was, like, sobbing, apparently. Wow. Yeah. So that was cool. Those are a lot of cool encounters. Um, yeah. Glenn Close was also really cool because mm-hmm. Ryan Murphy had this big uh, night to because that's when he announced um, that he was going to turn it into a movie. And then uh, he had 500 kids from Hetrick Martin Institute, uh, the Trevor Project, and Glad that were there who had never been to Broadway before and were seeing themselves on stage for the first time. It was like a crazy night. And then all of these celebrities were in the audience mm-hmm. randomly, Glenn Close being one of them. And that was a really cool moment. I got to hug Glenn Close yeah. to talk to her. She's a cool person. That is really cool. Yeah. I, my favorite Glenn Close moment is her reaction to seeing Billy Porter on the red carpet. Do you know that? Do you know no. that? Oh my gosh, I have to find it and show you right Please now. Please do. Because it's, um, it is just, it's my, it's, I honestly, I, I watched it for seven minutes straight. It's like <laughs> two seconds long. It's seven seconds long. And I cried through the, the whole Aww. seven minutes because just, okay, let me unplug this. All right, everyone, if you need to know what I'm talking about, um, Google it and then watch it. And then, oh God, I don't know how to rewind it. Technology, help me please. This is so important that I'm taking the time to do this. Um, okay, so just push okay. play when you, oh, 
There we go. Is it playing? Okay. Just, okay. Ah! Oh! Oh my god. Is that like not the best thing you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> she fully checked him out and then was like, what? Oh, Ooh, yes. Yeah. She was so in awe. That was brilliant. Oh my god, right? I like oh my gosh. so obsessed with that I want, moment. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, way mm -hmm. to go, Billy. Yeah. I'm glad. Damn. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm going to watch that a hundred more times when we are done. You really should. <laughs> I'm really going to, I promise. Good. Uh, um... If you could give advice to your younger self, what would it be? Oh, don't compare yourself to other people. Yeah. Don't do it. It'll, uh, I had a professor in college. His phrase was, you can't move forward when you're looking to the side. Mm. Which I love. And I tell that to every person I meet who asks advice about the field or in life in general. Because it just, I mean, yeah, it's so true. You there, There's a really great picture, I think, of, it was, uh, a, it was Michael Phelps swimming and, I can't remember who his big competition was that Olympics, but it was, I think he was like Brazilian or something. I'm probably butchering it. But so Michael Phelps is like fully looking forward and his partner is checking him out to the side mm. and he lost by like three seconds or something wow. or 0.3 seconds. And it, he lost the race because he was too busy checking out the competition. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think there's just, there's always, it's very easy to view other people's gifts as inadequacies in yourself yeah. Um, and that's not healthy mm -hmm. or helpful. And you can only grow if you stay in your lane and support other people. Be kind and lift each other up. Uh, yeah. So I would say that, you know, you're going to be fine, Izzy. Just stop comparing yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, are you familiar with Brene Brown or read any of her mm -hmm. books? So love that. Love her. So I got a Daring Greatly tattoo. Yes, you did. Um, and so I, cause I'm, I love everything that she does. And I She's actually, brilliant. yeah, I tweeted at her and I was like, I'm getting this tattoo and I would love it in your handwriting. And she tweeted back, which was a awesome, but she was like, you should get it in your handwriting. So when you're face down in the arena, you can, it's a reminder for yourself. And I was like, Aww. first of all, that's the most Brene Brown response that's I ever know. happened. And How secondly, dare you, Brene? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, way to be on brand. Yeah. Uh, and so then, so yeah, so this is my handwriting. That's amazing. But I think a lot about what she talks about of being enough mm -hmm. and, and like just saying to yourself, like, I am enough. Mm -hmm. And it's not about the competition. It's not about comparing yourself to other people. It's just you, regardless of your accomplishments and the amount of hours you put into a day for projects or whatever, at the end of the day, you are enough no matter what. Yeah. And I love that because it's just so, it's so hard, I think, to be able to internalize that mm -hmm. because we are in a society where accomplish, accomplish, accomplishments matter and money, how much money you have matters. And I just, I've been trying really hard to ground myself in, in reminding myself that I'm enough regardless of all the things that I have going on. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. What's your favorite uh, Brene Brown book? Or speech or oh, ideology? Oh, man. I read, I read Daring Greatly. I read Rising Strong. I think Rising Strong is probably my favorite of hers. Because that's about getting up when you fall. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you've been vulnerable. The first book's like being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. The second one is taking the risk. And the third one is when you fail, how do you get back up? Yeah. And uh, so that one was really good. Um, and I, I go back to her TED Talk often mm -hmm. when I'm feeling low. And uh, I journal about that one a lot. Mm -hmm. Just helps put things in perspective and for me and brings me back to myself and what's important. Yeah. Good. I started a gratitude journal nice. that, I, that I try to write in every night of just a few things that happened during the day that I was grateful for. Oh, just that's lovely. Just to keep me grounded of like, I have... I have all the things I need. And yeah. it, that's so lucky. And that is. I should be grateful for it. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm so glad you got that. Yeah. Um, great. So I want to talk about making out. And by making out, I mean kissing. And you okay. get to kiss a lot in the prom. I do. And you get to do it nationally a lot. I do. It's and pretty so cool. Is and there, so is there a moment that you, that you, that one of the kisses that like kind of like floats above the rest or... Um, I, I talked about this the other day. I think uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade was probably the most epic because of the global impact that it had. Mm -hmm. Because so many people were talking about it, and it uh, was part of the conversation at the Thanksgiving dinner for a lot of families, mm -hmm. um, both good and bad. Uh, 
we sparked a lot of controversy, which is very cool because you yeah. can't stand up for anything without having some detractors. So mm-hmm. it felt nice to be part of a really important moment because it was the first kiss on the parade history. Mm-hmm. So for historical context, that was probably the, my favorite public kiss or nationally televised kiss. And then personally, the Tony Awards one mm-hmm. was very special to me personally because all I've ever wanted to do was be on Broadway and to get to perform on the Tony Awards and kiss on the Tony Awards was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And like Caitlin and I really went for it mm-hmm. at that one because we were like, these people love us. So it's yeah. a theater family. And uh, yeah, we didn't hold back. So that one was really fun. And that kind of was like the culmination of all of our hard work over the past how many years has this show been, you know, up and running and... Mm-hmm since its inception yeah so that was those are those two are that my top kisses awesome so is it so I know that you and Caitlin are friends mm-hmm. off stage also and yeah. so I'm not an actor so I don't know how this works but is it what does it feel like to have to get to kiss a friend every like what is that like it's easy mm-hmm. it's not um you don't really think about it mm-hmm. I ju- it's just um she has great lips um, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, there's like something when you when it's part of the story. There's it, it's just so the sexual sexuality is very removed from it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just this is what my character would do, so I'm gonna make sure it looks as believable as possible. But it's kind of inconsequential for me as a, Isabel, the actor. Sometimes we play games with each other while we're kissing and just hold each other a little closer. And you know, it's stupid. You know, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it's fun. It's just another blocked moment. So it's not as sexy, I guess, as some people would think it is. But mm-hmm. uh, I like kissing her. She's a good kisser. That's great. Yeah. Get action eight times a week at oh, least. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move into our final session. And by session, I mean segment. Um, and these are just rapid fire questions. <gasps> yes. So rapid just fire. answer to the best of your ability as quickly as possible. There are no wrong answers except for one, but we'll talk about it after. Great. <laughs> All right. Writing or reading? Reading. Acting or singing? Acting. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountains? Beach. Biking or running? Biking. Bagels or donuts? Bagels. Yes. Good. <laughs> that was the one. Was <laughs> yeah. The one. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Train or plane? Uh, plane. Pants or shorts? Pants. Shh. Nope. Coke yeah, or Pepsi? Pe- Coke. <laughs> Night or day? Night. Favorite dessert? Uh, chocolate lava cake. Ooh. <laughs> nice. Where have you had your favorite chocolate lava cake? I feel like I only ever get that at, like, Applebee's. <laughs> okay. But I don't know. I don't. I, I have a very unsophisticated palate, so. Like the apples and bees on stage, mm. or? No, they don't. We no. don't. They serve the, the apples and bees on stage. But <laughs> the Applebee's was the place you went to growing up. You know, when you got a good report card. So mm-hmm. I would get chocolate lava cake. And so I guess that is a memory, sense memory thing for me, which is why I said that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being yeah, here. Yeah, thanks for, for having me. Um, where can fans follow you on social media? So I am on Instagram at Izzy McCalla, I Z Z Y M C C A L L A. Come follow me. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, Izzy. thanks for having me. Thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You for Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.